Here we go again. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Knee on Belly podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, John, Brandon, and boys. Today, we will recap this past Saturday's UFC Fight Night Austin with our Monsterukians, Big main event win over Benil Dariush. We'll talk about what this might mean for the future of both men and the light heavy, or lightweight division, I mean. Uh, we will also get your guys pick or get you guys our picks and set up with our predictions for this Saturday's UFC Fight Night, which is main evented by Song Yadong versus Chris Gutierrez. Then we will give you guys our dream UFC 300 fight cards and matchups. Yeah, it's going to be a long one. And finally, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts and more. But first, boys, how are we doing? Episode 161 of the Neon Belly Podcast, or as some people are calling it, the number of strikes thrown by Glover Teixeira against Yuri Prohashka episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. Um, And you got to wonder if he threw 162, would he have won that fight? A guy like Glover... Gotta like those odds. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. We're just glad you're listening. Yeah. It's also called the You Don't Know It Yet, But There's a New Camera uh, episode. So that's cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool, John. You're welcome. <laughs> I like it. Uh, boys, there is, uh, if you can't tell from that little intro, uh, so much to get to. Um, I was telling John last week, the problem is, is I didn't, re- I got my weeks off. So I thought... Because usually when there's not a fight and we're just previewing or just recapping, there's room to do extra stuff like our Dream 300 cards. And I got a week off. Mm -hmm. Um, But we couldn't push it back another week because next week we're going to be previewing UFC 296, I believe, is the next one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Leon versus Colby. So couldn't do it on there, obviously, Mm because we got a whole main card to pick for there. So we're going to cram it in this week and we're going to get to the UFC Austin recap first. But before we do, John, rate, sub, follow. Let the people know what we ask them to do each and every week. Every week, man. Wherever you guys are listening, whether that's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening to your podcast, you can give us a, if you can give us five stars, that helps us out a lot. If you can give us a written view, even more a review it helps us out even more um if you're on social media neon belly podcast that's instagram uh that's tiktok that's youtube we're also on x on neon belly pod so come through and show us some love absolutely and i mean john since you want to talk about the new camera because i'm sure everybody cares about that uh the question is are you going to look into said camera this episode or Mm. be buried in your phone I don't know. It's probably about a 60-40 that I'm on my phone. That's fair enough. Fair enough. I don't mind those odds. Boys, this past Saturday, UFC Fight Night live from Austin, Texas. And as mentioned, our main event winner, Armand Sarukian, defeats Benil Dariush via first-round knockout. I mean, boys, a knee, a flying, jumping knee. I mean, nobody saw this coming. You you actually could have asked me and gave me a chance to guess the outcome of this fight. Give me, mm-hmm. You could have gave me 25 different, like, guess 25 different outcomes that you could happen with both guys winning scenarios and how they would win. Um, and Armand Sarukian, by knockout from a knee in a minute and four seconds, would not have been one of those 25 on my card. Yeah. Um, this is just an impressive statement win uh, from Armand Sarukian, in my opinion. Was it the knee? I thought it was the right hand. 
So I guess it, I guess they said on the replay. So I was, I'd heard on the replay. I didn't see the replay, but they said the knee landed. And then I guess there may have been like a short right hand that. Yeah, I, that's what I've seen. That that really jarred his head. Like the knee, basically, from what I've seen, the knee didn't super land. Okay. But it, they basically talked about how much power he got from the right by having a whole leg up, hiding mm-hmm. it kind of how Charles Oliveira did for the the same side strikes. That fair he enough. Did. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I had heard but that. But even the setup with the flying knee is crazy. Yeah, from a guy like that, from, you know, Armand Sarukin is wild. Um, but, I mean, just to see, uh, the, yeah, that ty- that dynamic just movement from him as a guy, you know, you remember, this was kind of a grappler versus grappler matchup in a sense. Um, that's what I'm saying. I just would have never have guessed yeah. this is a possible outcome. Um, and, I, and I said something last week, and I actually said it a couple times, uh, to see if you guys, either of you would challenge, and you didn't. You never challenged it. You didn't question it. I really kind of thought Brandon would be the one to question it. Uh, but I'm going to say it again. I guess I'll just ask it as a direct question, though, and that is, do you guys feel like especially after seeing what we saw last night that we are looking at a generational talent in our Monsarukian. yeah i mean to to get a knockout like that as the wrestler you know the quote-unquote wrestler of this matchup um especially with the pedigree of striking that you know benil comes from um as far as coaching wise with cordero you would think that you know you, you basically seen him be able to capitalize on a similar hole like Char- like Charles did, but that just kind of shows you where his level's at to be able to get finishes like this on top of the level of wrestling to go with like a Gamrot and some of the other guys he's faced. Well, explain what you mean real quick by generational Brandon, talent. come on. Well, what does that mean? What, what do you mean? That's exactly what it means. Like a guy, <laughs> a guy that like in terms of like defines mixed martial arts in this generation, like a guy that, you know, you're not going to see many guys in this generation that, you know, um, like I would consider Islam a generational talent, right? Um, I'm trying to think of some other guys that are like, like a sure. Guy. I would say I would say he epitomizes MMA today. Yes, yeah. Like he does check all those boxes. And do you think he's a unique breed of talent of like a guy that, um, even when you look at the top of a division like the lightweight division, right? That not only is this a guy that's going to exceed, excel, and be at the top, but probably very likely could be. Uh, a world champion one day. Yeah, I can see him being a world champ. Well, you say unique. Uh, I would I initially would have said yes, but no. I mean, after watching Islam land a head kick, head kick on Volk, yeah. no. I think this is just kind of becoming the norm for these guys sure. at this level. So, But I still think, yeah, he's championship caliber for sure. Volk, another generational talent, by the way, Brandon. Mm-hmm. If you want to look it up in the dictionary, you might actually see Volk in the dictionary if you look up mm-hmm. generational talent. Uh, it's safe to say, and it's also safe to say, um, he's definitely now, Armand Sarukian, going to move into the top five ring of the lightweight division and you know there's one guy that I told you guys last night right after the fight that I want to see and that's Armand Sarukian versus Dustin Poirier Um, I don't know your guys thoughts about that matchup but I think that is a massive huge fight um, and really one for Sarukian um, because I know he wants that rematch against Islam right he said he Mm -hmm. wants the title um but he's not going to get that right now right we already know that Islam is going to fight Charles Oliveira you know, Dana's still kind of doubling down on that. Um, but if Islam beats Charles Oliveira and then Sarukian goes out and beats Dustin Poirier, that rematch between those two, especially the run that Sarukian would have gone on at that, you know, to, to beat those guys, um, it's even bigger, right? Uh, because this win to me, puts Sarukian on people's radar that maybe weren't looking at him as, like, a generational-type talent or a guy that, like, really is a future title contender. Uh, But the Dustin fight would just make him a name, in my opinion. He'd really, you know, people would know who he is after that. So So why not Justin? 
Because well, Dustin's coming off of a loss. The problem is, first off, Justin Gaethje would never fight Armand Sarukian right now. Just, you have to remember, for Justin to put not just his presumably um, number one contender status mm-hmm. on the line, um, but also you know the BMF title, which he's attached to, we know Justin maybe two or three fights left in his career. We're talking maybe one more. Mm-hmm the title fight, and then he might defend it once. Right. Um, but there's no way. Uh, I think if you're Justin Gaethje, you're putting that on the line to face a guy like Armand Sarukian. Mm-hmm. It just, it's not, it's not going to happen. And it's not a big enough fight for him, honestly. Right. Justin Gaethje needs, if, if it's not a title fight, um, which we'll get to with our UFC 300 cards in a minute because he's going to play into mine, Justin Gaethje needs a super fight. And mm-hmm. Armand Sarukian is not a super fight for right. Justin Gaethje. Well, I guess I bring that up because if, if something happens and Justin Gaethje doesn't get a huge fight before now and even if he does get a huge fight but it's just not a top guy if Sarukian beats Poirier there's, there's huge fights for Justin no, 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 no. let me get to the point though I'm saying if Sarukian beats Poirier with the storyline he has with Islam does he have a chance to jump no Gaethje no 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 Gaethje again Gaethje to me is in line after Charles Oliveira I think he should be in front of Charles Oliveira mm-hmm. especially with Islam still being champion um, but obviously we don't make those decisions unfortunately but uh, no to me he is after Charles Oliveira and I yeah even with a win over Dustin Poirier especially seeing you know Gaethje also beat Dustin mm-hmm. Poirier to get where he is right. it's like yeah that just he would never leap him in that position yeah. Unless he lost, you know, if he takes a super fight, loses, yeah, you know, and then mm-hmm. Sarukian goes, beats a guy like Dustin Poirier, like, absolutely, he would jump him, but it would take him losing. Right. I would just say that, yeah, if he fights Dustin, I want to see him fight for the title immediately after that. Like, if, sure. he, if he beats Dustin, yeah. I want to see him in that position, because as much as I understand, like, what you're saying about having Justin in there now, honestly, I kind of prefer the Sarukian matchup than the Justin matchup. I think it's a way more entertaining fight than what Justin has But I think offer. it needs time to grow. Like, it, again, because it is such a significant rematch. Like, going back to Islam and Sarukian's first fight, it was a close fight mm-hmm. that Sarukian took on last-minute notice. Mm-hmm. His debut, too, right? It was his debut, and he competed, right? And he was very competitive, very, very close fight. And there's no doubt if you followed Armand Sarukian that he is way better now than he was then, even. Um, it's a big fight. Us three guys in the room, it's a big fight. We understand. Right. He could go in and compete with Islam tomorrow. He doesn't need a fight like that. But in terms of it selling and being a big fight, and gosh, getting a guy like Islam to, to fight, you know, mm-hmm. is, is tough enough as it is. But to draw him out, you need this guy, Sarukian, in big fight. You need eyes on him and people wanting and calling for that. And then Sarukian to have a microphone to keep calling for it. Um, it's just going to help it build. I just don't think mm-hmm. there's enough build to it for him to jump into it right now. Right. Is he skillfully ready? absolutely but i totally understand from a promotional standpoint why you wouldn't just throw him in there right Mm -hmm. now he needs a big name like a just um well justin gaethje would be nice too but a dustin poirier or somebody Mm -hmm. like that and dustin needs dustin is occupying a top five uh, spot right now as well and he needs to get active Mm -hmm. as well because i mean you got your armand sarugians jalen turner we're going to get to him i mean there's a a mataj gamra i mean there's people coming for that spot so Mm -hmm. he's gonna have to get in there with one of these guys yeah well i guess i say that also because it seems like dustin's kind of only interested in super big name fights too and armand isn't at that quite level yet name wise where some of the other people he's looking to try to get five so he doesn't have a choice no for sure and i I think that you know that's another storyline from this which is great is we finally got somebody to break through the old guard right yeah the the top old guys where you know if i Steve couldn't do it. Gamrock couldn't do it. And now we finally got somebody up there. So I do think it needs to be shooken up. It'll just be interested to see who takes it. Go ahead. No, that was, I was just agreeing. Yeah. Well, and we've had, we've talked about that, right? Because uh, who was it that got a shot at, 
was it Justin or Dustin? And they they lost. Faizeev. Faizeev, yeah, to Gaethje and lost. And and that same thing goes with Dustin. Like Sarukian still has to go in there and beat him. But uh, I could un- I could see Dustin not wanting to fight Armand Sarukian coming off that knockout loss. Mm-hmm. But then you needed to make that decision if you still want to compete for a world, world title because these guys are coming and yeah. it's time to turn that top five over. And there's just really nobody else up there on a loss. I guess maybe Benny now, but you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. who wants to see Dustin Poirier versus Benny? I would. But if Dustin still has title aspirations, which it sounds like he does, that fight doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So you know what I'm saying. So uh, both guys coming off of losses though would be yeah. that'd be a great matchup. I'd mm-hmm. love to see Dustin versus Benny, but I don't think Dustin takes that either, especially because Benny's going to be bounced from the top five. And I do think there's a little bit to discuss here for Benny because this is a tough loss. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's 34, 35 years old. I can't remember. Um, and that's now back to back early first round knockouts to top contenders, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or at least the elite of this lightweight division, uh, generational talents, as some would say. Um, Somewhat suggesting, um, uh, or some uh, kind of, I guess you could say somewhat suggesting that maybe Benny himself just isn't capable of competing up here at this level. Um, I know on the post-fight show, they were kind of discussing some things, I think Kiesa was, that maybe Benny needs to change within his striking. Um, But yeah, you know, could he or would he be willing to do that at this stage in his career? I don't know, because... now at this point with these back-to-back really rough losses he's probably looking at what two to three years before he could probably get himself back in to this title contention with some big wins um and that really sucks for him too you Mm -hmm. know like you just it sucks he's such a good dude and you're just gutted for him because uh he got so close to competing for that world title had it in a sense kind of taken away from him at one point um one went away in the Oliveira fight he just wins that fight right he's going on to compete Mm -hmm. for that title um but I mean almost kind of like Tony man you almost just wonder if maybe he just got there too late you know too late in his career too much damage done at this point um and and that now makes two guys in a sense possibly that that Mm -hmm. we've seen this happen to and Tony and uh, Benny and Tony I mean uh but you just wonder for a guy like him if maybe mm-hmm. it's like gosh man he just three years ago and we would have been there you know yeah for Benny. well and you you have time off you, you lose momentum like you you're on the i mean one of the more impressive streaks along with like a tony and stuff like that of the wins he compiled together and um you know i think you know jacob said in our group chat something that kind of rings true is like you know maybe some of these guys are going to stop being like oh well i'll wait for my turn i'll get my title shot whenever i deserve it because now you're seeing that when windows aren't lining up correctly you know you might miss your chance and miss your your kind of like i said momentum window to where you could compete at that highest level yeah i mean it'll be interesting too to see where he goes because like you look at tony who's now on his how many seven losses in a row he's had and this is two for for benny so yeah. like how long does he stretch this out does he make adjustments does he how, how many does he have left in him after something sure. like this no absolutely um real quick though before we move on if you had to pick today um a winner between Islam Makhachev and Armand Sarukian. Who would you pick today? Not saying you can't change. How do you guys see that rematch going? I honestly have no idea. Like, if I just had to throw something out right now, I would probably say Sarukian. And the only reason I say that is because I don't think I can recall anyone else who's actually taken Islam down and looked somewhat better than him in the wrestling department other than that initial fight they had. So I think removed however many however long it's been since that fight. I think that's probably something that's going to stick out in Islam's head. Is this guy kind of ha- can match me a little bit in the grappling department? And as we've seen from both of them, their striking has completely evolved. So at this point, yeah. it's I, 
you know, it's a tough, it's a tough uh, question for sure. But I think I would slightly still lean Sarukian. Yeah, I think it'd be a, a very interesting matchup, almost like a mirror match. I feel like the, where they've both um, brought their striking and where they both already have their wrestling. Yeah, and then not even the resume, right? Having the, I mean, obviously Islam is beat more top level people, but yeah. adding Benny to your list doesn't hurt any of that. And there is a little bit of like a recency, like you know, what have I seen the most recent that kind of really threw me off? Yeah. And doing Benny like that. That's why. I w- that's why I asked it. Yeah, I'm like you know, seeing this out of Saruki, and it's like, man, what do you like? You know, that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, especially after, you know, having the Silva fight where, you know, it was, it was almost like a trap fight and being able to push through that and then making this look easy. I yeah. mean, it's, it's it's a you couldn't have higher stock if you're Sarukian right now. Interesting. Yeah, I was interested to know your guys' thoughts on that. Boys, let's get to the co-main event as Jalen Turner defeats Bobby Green for via first round knockout. Ooh. We, boys, <laughs> Jalen Turner is a bad, bad man. Um, and we'll get to the ref and the finish um, and all that in a second. Um, I think that's what I meant to tell you guys at the beginning. <laughs> Hold off on that. So, But I put it in my notes to make sure to tell you guys. Uh, we have to lead with this win um, and, and what this means for Jalen Turner. I mean, especially everything that kind of goes into it, uh, which we'll get to as well in a sec. But just want to focus on the fight and the performance right now. Um, because to me, he looked levels and steps ahead of Bobby Green in this mm-hmm. fight. Um, and I felt like within the first couple of seconds of this fight, like after that first exchange, I kind of knew this was probably going to end up being the outcome, mm-hmm. right? Because kind of everything we said last week, like Bobby, hands low, Jalen Turner, really fast, really accurate, really strong. And you saw that after the first exchange. And like, I think even Bobby Green, like kind of his reaction was like, hmm, all right, like, okay, <laughs> whoa. Like he kind of had that like, dang, I, yeah, this is real. This The, the hype is um, really real on this. But, I mean, this dude is so scary at this weight. Mm-hmm. If he can continue to make the weight and look this good, because even that last fight, you know, I and mean, we talked about the two losses, you know, between Gamrot, which was a really close fight, and then the Dan Hooker, which still think Dan Hooker won that fight, like I said last week, but I sent you guys that video, that head kick that I was yeah. telling you, and it's like, nobody eats that <laughs> but Dan mutant. Hooker. Like, yeah. nobody else in this, <laughs> nobody can eat that. Like, right. that's what this guy is capable of. Um, and the craziest part, He's still just 28 years of age. Mm-hmm. I my, mean, it's my age. Dude, like, <laughs> I mean, we're talking still maybe another two, three years away from his prime is Jalen Turner at this point. I mean, that is absurd, man, mm-hmm. that he's this good already, that he can make 155 pounds, because like I said, we'll get to the weight stuff here in a sec. Uh, but what were your guys' reactions to that knockout? Finish aside, like I said, we'll get to the ref stuff, but just how he did it. With, yeah. the, with the ease as well. Like think about, real quick, one more aspect of this. Think about what Bobby Green just did to another guy in a similar position, in a similar age, similar mm-hmm. contender status, and Grant Dawson last time out. Mm-hmm. So, I, And I don't, this this isn't meant to be taking take anything away from Jalen Turner, but again, as, as you mentioned with Bobby's hands being low, and he just, he constantly does that, where he just kind of fades out of range a lot of times, and he usually sure. is very <laughs> good at getting just out of range, but Jalen Turner's got, does he have the longest reach in the division? Oh, he's, he's, got the, to. he's the tallest, for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, he's got to. Um, you just can't do that with him. Yeah. Like he's just taller than everybody. You can't really replicate that a lot in the gym very well. And so I think that, I just think, like you said, I can see this one coming kind of from the beginning. Yeah. Um, but 
it was just a fantastic one. Like the whole, the, how many times did he throw that one too? Like, yeah. It, and it took a minute to find the range eventually, but as soon right. as he did, man, it was lights out. Like and he it's went the straight speed down. and the precision mm-hmm. of that one too as well. It's just crazy. Well, I think what you get about uh, not being able to replicate in the gym, you can replicate the length, but it won't have the same speed. And you can replicate replicate the speed, but it won't have the same length. Like he just has that, yeah. you know, thing that you can't really, really prepare for as much, especially in that division. Uh, and I think that within that, you know, I know you talked about the first after the first exchange. That's the closest Bobby got to he like. He did. He came out and like fired that quick one that like kind of just missed. Yeah. And you go back to that Grant Dawson, and I was like, man, see, that's what Bobby Green's capable of right mm-hmm. there. He just kind of walks out and just zing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, and, and then after that, you see Jalen calm down, yeah. get to the teeps, get to the. the well, but kicks. even to get out of the way, like if you go back, like he got his head just off the line, out of mm-hmm. the way of it. I mean, to have that quick of reflex and reaction too. I mean, that you got to give Turner credit there as well because grand dawson never saw that straight coming right and, and here jalen turner just kind of went not Whoa. that tall and that long like it's you know, crazy man most anybody bobby green size probably gets hit with that and it's you yeah. know now you're starting back two steps right. because the guy lands so um, true. and but i think that even like that finishing sequence that just shows you how crazy his reach is in this division yeah. to be able to land that one two from somebody bobbing away and he's not even extending on that right that's just him standing straight up and just bing 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 yeah. like it's um, this is, I mean, this is probably the best we've ever seen Jalen Turner look as far as with his striking, I feel like. Um, just using that distance really well, being patient. Like I said, using the kicks, the rangefinder stuff. You know, like you said, we talked about it last week. This is like a, a picture-perfect matchup for Jalen Turner, a guy who's not going to wrestle you, keep his hands down, and try to use, you know, basically dart in with his hands down. I mean, that's the perfect way to get a knockout win if you're somebody like Jalen Turner with his kickboxing sure. ability. Yeah, and what a statement as well, you know, as I mentioned with the weight and coming off of that weight miss in that uh, last Dan Hooker fight uh, because he not only made the weight here, but he did so on short notice, proving that he at least is always in somewhat of some decent shape, which tells me he's always working, always training um, as well, especially given this performance, right? Because all week leading up to the fight, I told you guys, he said all the wrong things that you want to hear from a guy uh, who's had struggles in the past or coming off of weight miss um, and is coming into a late notice fight against a dangerous guy like Bobby Green. You know, he said he was going to do everything he could to make the weight. Uh, He said he felt like he didn't have a choice uh, but to take this fight in the first place saying he even turned it down the first time they called but that they called back and kept asking presumably i'd guess with more money i'd assume mm-hmm. is why he eventually said yes and why they called back um but then on one day or uh, but then on the first weigh-in you know he missed obviously in this fight he did miss the first time he weighed in one pound over but then comes back the second time makes it on the second try um and then goes in and delivers a performance like that um you know that has to be huge for turner um and his confidence moving forward because you know the ufc probably would have like not really turned a blind eye but like well you know it was short notice and then Mm -hmm. you know us as fans would have to be like yeah you know it was short notice though and but then you'd be going into the next fight like boy is he gonna make weight you know if it's twice two in a row short notice or not um but just the fact that he was able to do that on i mean that just deserves so much praise mm-hmm. it is so impressive so was it you didn't, didn't you send the picture of him on the scale the next yeah was it the next day I, he posted it last night so but the I, date on his picture i thought it said november uh november something so maybe that's on, what me, he had to cut from there was no context to the thought. picture i thought that's what he was on fight night but maybe that's what he had to cut from was that 180 pounds if so which makes sense because he's Outside of camp, I mean, he's yeah, this, jacked. this is posted uh, Huntington Beach, November twenty second at seven fourteen. 
So that means he came from 180 pounds and so made weight. When you talk about being in shape, though, that's where I wonder, like, a guy walks around at 180, do you consider that cutting down to 55? You've heard Dustin say he gets up to, like, 190, 195. So, I mean, for a guy like Jalen Turner, I mean, I know weight can be, you know, he's built mm-hmm. different, right? So 180 pounds on Jalen Turner is probably pretty significant as opposed to a shorter, stockier guy, maybe like Dustin. Mm-hmm. But... um Dude, look, if he wants to keep making the weight, I didn't think he looked terrible on the scale, per se. Mm-hmm. He didn't look bad in this fight, although it didn't go three rounds. Who knows what would have happened there. Obviously mentioned in the Dan Hooker fight, he faded as well. Um, I don't know, man. I, I guess only that's something he. We, I'd love to talk to him and ask, like, mm-hmm. is that normal? Is 180 normal for you? Or, you know, but I'm sure, he, you know... Who knows? I don't even know because he's just so di- he's such a unique yeah. thing, man. Like we've just never seen anything like Jalen Turner right. in this lightweight division, um, and he, with that build, you yeah. know, I mean, it's just it's very unique. It's very like created player, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's very like Rumble Johnson, like still to this day, crazy that he made welterweight. Did make it a whole bunch. He missed a lot, right. but you know, he did make it at times. Um, and that's just kind of what we're getting here with Turner. But man, he's doing it and excelling. Um, which is just crazy. Um, do have to discuss the finishing sequence, as mentioned, because, man, this fight could have been stopped almost as soon as Bobby hit the mat. Um, he was still defending. If you go back, he was moving a little bit, and it is Bobby Green. Um, but, man, after a few beats there, um, he wasn't attempting to transition the position. Mm-hmm. Like, even though he was kind of moving his head a little bit, um, there was he was still belly down, right? Like, really not even... Uh, 100% defending himself to some extent. Um, But I just feel like even though it's Bobby Green after, you know, a few beats there, you got to jump in and stop this fight. Um, Instead, the ref let it go until Green was... Unconscious, mm-hmm. um, and then even took a couple unnecessary like shots. Unconscious, went out, as woke well. up, went out, and that mm-hmm. could be uh, it. Could be it is too. Just really bad refereeing mm-hmm. here. Um, Dana said in the post fight though that that ref was very remorseful afterwards and feels horrible about it and knows he made a mistake. Um, which I love that transparency. I think that's awesome because you know we don't hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and even Dana said that like you know or somebody said is like how many times you hear like oh well you know was trying to let that person and go out on their shield or be, be tough hero, or yeah. yeah stuff like that so uh credit to that referee i don't remember his name it was something haltly or something like that but i guess at least owning it but man that was that was pretty brutal to see mm-hmm. that was rough okay one thing i want to say real quick that i thought was interesting is do you remember when green fought islam yes mm-hmm. do you remember how that fight ended no pretty much the exact same way minus him getting knocked out and there was a lot of people up in arms for it being stopped because he wasn't out he wasn't really like didn't seem discombobulated but he was flat on his stomach and there wasn't a lot of movement even green was kind of like what you know why are you stopping it kind of thing yeah so i feel like that position's an interesting one i i don't i don't disagree like bobby went out like that it was pretty obvious at one point mm-hmm. that he needed, needed stopped. But yeah. I just feel like that, that line there is so incredibly small to step in. And if you, if that ref was perhaps thinking back to, I mean, I'm telling you, it was like the exact same position. I have to go back and watch yeah. that. And um, so anyway, I was just thinking about that when, when that happened actually. No, I get it. That's why I said, like I even said it there in that rundown. It's like, I understand like it's Bobby green and he was moving a little bit and he did kind of put his arm up. But like you said in, in yours, and that's kind of where I think everybody is, is, at one point, though, like, you realize nobody was, like, 
you know, vouching for that to continue. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could tell mm-hmm. he just was not going to get up. I mean, he never even got to his knees. He yeah. was belly down. Like, Did the ref say at any point you got to fight back or defend yourself? I don't know. I, I didn't, didn't hear it. I didn't hear that. I'm sure he was, but it was so loud. Austin, that what a great crowd that was as well. But uh, it was so loud. I'm sure he was yelling something to him, I would guess. I would mm-hmm. hope so. Uh, but, yeah, it just really sucks to see. And, um Again, man, it kind of gets back to, you know, I don't know what the answer is here. You know, I don't know if there's punishment that should be delivered down, you know, suspensions for referees. I don't know if that's kind of something the commissions do. Um, or if they look at it as Brandon saying, is like, hey, it's just such a fine line and you have mm-hmm. a split sit, you know, it just kind of is. But you don't want them to compile and like... Everybody keeps saying that this referee is actually a pretty good referee. Yeah, Michael Chiesa said that he was one of the referees for his fight and thought he did a really great job. So, I mean, everybody, I guess, maybe is just going to have some stinkers. It just kind of sucks that it's like to this umph team. You know, that was a bad. That was Mm -hmm. pretty rough, you know, especially when you're dealing with somebody else's life in there as well. Um, Again, for Turner, you know, gets him right back on track, snaps that two-fight losing streak. Um, And to me, boys, if we don't get Jalen Turner... Versus the God of War himself, Benoit Saint-Denis next, I say we riot. Because Mm. I think that is a phenomenal matchup. And I am here for it all day long. I like that fight. I think it's going to make so much sense in terms of the rankings. Um, Saint-Denis looked great. Jalen Turner has not looked bad, even in those right. two fight lose, you know, those lose, those losses. I guess you could argue, you know, missing weight and gassing against Hooker wasn't his finest moment, but um, I love that fight. I don't know. I haven't seen it floated around much today. I was kind of surprised, especially Sondani coming off that big first round knockout finish over um, Frivola. Mm-hmm. So both guys should be feeling pretty good. You know, you could probably turn both guys around pretty quickly. Um, Let's give Jalen Turner some time to make weight, obviously, and get yeah. not not cut to one fifty six from one hundred and eighty pounds in uh, less than two weeks. But I love that fight. I think it's yeah. a fantastic matchup. Yeah, I think that would be interesting. The only other people available would be like a Fizev who hasn't fought since his loss. Yeah, uh, I don't even know if RDA is still doing lightweight fights. I don't know. I, I don't thought he wanted to move up. Or no it's hard telling with yeah. him. but that's kind of all you got right there. So, but I would definitely be game for that. Next result, boys, and probably the one that I was most just like blown away and excited for on this uh, card, and that is Davison Figueroa defeating Rob Font via. Unanimous decision, um, and what a bantamweight debut for Figgy, man. Pitches an absolute just shutout, in my opinion, um, and looked like a guy who truly belongs in this weight class um, and added some new wrinkles to his game either, which was probably what impressed me the most with some takedowns and the grappling. I mean, he had a freaking snatch single, like a Kamara Usman level yeah, snatch single did it twice. on a guy like Rob Font. I mean, I'm not saying Rob Font's takedown defense is like, you know, next level, but I think I even said to you guys last week, he's like, Rob Font doesn't have to worry about takedown defense. Like, I know Corey, you know, Sanhagen <laughs> did him dirty. He's like, he doesn't have to worry about it. And like, he said, well, what, son? I've been with Cejudo out in the <laughs> desert. Like, what are you talking about? Uh, but even the power for Figgy Ooh. carrying up to 35, that's scary for a lot of these guys. Um, I felt like defensively he was on another level. Um, he was just nowhere to be found at the end of Rob Font's fist at his punches. Um, his footwork and speed just super slick. And then some of those counter shots, man, that he was landing were just crazy. Um, and if you remember, I thought physically uh, he could just be kind of outmatched here against Rob Font. Um, and But I actually thought he seemed to be the more physical guy in this fight, especially when he was coming forward, man. He was bombing Rob mm-hmm. Font when he was coming forward. Um, I mean, you just couldn't dream up a better debut for Figueredo. Um, and he is now a very, boys, new fun addition to what is already 
the most stacked. I mean, we did our divisional rankings, and Bantamweight was our number one. So, yeah, just welcome to Bantamweight Dips. One A and, and one B now. Yeah. What are your guys' thoughts? So, so, one thing that stood out to me was, I don't remember which one of you mentioned the fact that he fought Brandon Moreno, you know, four times me. in the last how many years. Yeah. That, I thought that was kind of, like, I understood what you were saying at the time, but I was like, that's not going to factor in here. But within the first... did it. Well, <laughs> I thought in the first couple minutes, there was two things that stood out to me. It was, he seemed... To, timid in terms of striking and then i also thought like that first initial kind of lock up almost like wwe style that they had mm-hmm. rob font seemed a little bigger and stronger but then yeah as that round and the rest of the fight progressed it seemed like he really started to get a lot more comfortable and yeah. confident in there and i actually by the end of it kind of attributed it to yeah he just spent a lot of time with one singular opponent mm-hmm. so you kind of have to brush that off a little bit and it's a different weight class yeah. for sure but by the end of it I, I think give him another six to eight months to keep eating and lifting oh. and really grow into this weight class Dude. I think yeah. it's just going to get worse for no, everyone I agree. So, I, I completely agree. Yeah. The dude waiting in sweatpants. Like, yeah. you know what time it is. Yeah, was he definitely him. has some room, like Brandon's saying, to grow into this division, but that only makes him more scary. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if he's just a little shorter for the division, which I think he's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know. Like, I, I still think after last night, like, I'm blown away as I am. Um, you know, I still think there's a lot of guys that would give him problems right now. Mm-hmm. But with the time, the proper way of doing it, and yet I think he's going to, um, yeah, he's going to be a big issue. Well, and I think that this kind of um, jump up in his game, the evolution that he's made with working with Henry so much, yeah. he was way more patient. Um, you know, he wasn't crashing in every time he hurt Rob Font. Yeah. He was taking his time. I think the only time that he looked like maybe the smaller guy was when he was on top in those early rounds where Rob was kind of able to raise his hips up pretty easily. But after he wear him down, obviously, he was able to hold him down longer. But outside of that, I mean, I think in that third, I thought there was we were about to have another Shane Burgos situation where he got hit and there was kind of like a delayed rock. And I didn't know what Rob was going to do. I mean, obviously, he's a tough guy. I mean, we've seen him take a lot of big shots. But to, to get Rob to jump off of his jab, and then because he was landing those big counter hooks, I just thought that, like you said, Figgy, I mean, you don't get much better than that. He rocked him a bunch of times, especially at the end of rounds, very strategic and kind of a smarter fight IQ I felt like we got out of Figgy. Yeah, when he was calling Rob Fawn onto him into the middle, walking him into the middle of the cage at the end of that third round, I was like, boy, this is not good for Rob. I did not. <laughs> yeah, when the God of War is telling you... Come, come get it. That's uh, not great. I did not think he was making it out of the third round. That that was for sure. <laughs> um, and last week we talked about how big this win would be if Figueredo, you know, pulled it off. He did because Rob Font, as we mentioned, only really loses to top contenders. Um, so I guess I feel like this deserves a big fight next for Figueredo. And I do I dare say the name boys that rhymes with Schmory Schmanschmagen mm. because to me that fight is huge. I think it would make a ton of sense in terms of timelines. Obviously. Corey's working back from injury. Figgy, give him six to eight months, like Brandon's saying, let him continue to grow. But given the fact that Figgy is coming into this new division as a former champion, right, kind of much like we saw Alex do, right, guys that are former champs coming up, you get one, maybe two wins, you're right in a title. So I think he is in the mix at 135. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you can shoot me think I'm crazy, but I think Corey Sanhagen is a perfect opponent Mm. and i would really love to see that but i do think he deserves some form of a big fight that could earn him contender status because that was an impressive performance man again rob font's no easy out for anybody and only loses to top top guys yeah i I was actually thinking him and pewter yawn i thought yawn's another because i think they're two guys he's coming off the loss yeah but he's still number six and i I guess from when i look at them they look like the same versions of each other just from different parts of the world and their demeanor and the way they fight yeah but what we've seen from pewter yawn as of late not saying a guy like Piotr Jan isn't and can't get his career back on track um 
But yeah, I just think Figgy, what we saw last night, was just a different level. And Piotr, Piotr needs to, you know, obviously get some wins back. He mm-hmm. needs to, you know, I know who who is he just? We're, we're he was about supposed to, talk to fight. About yeah, it. he was supposed to be the main um, event in the next card. Song Yudong, like that's a pretty okay level. I still wasn't gonna pick him in that fight. Though. I was gonna pick Song for that fight right. even still. Um, so maybe that's more of my view on where Piotr is. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That'd be a tough fight for Piotr. Yeah, no, for sure. I guess I was just looking at especially with the wrestling, the ranking, and where it's at. And I think Corey Sanhagen, you know, is putting himself in a spot to where he could potentially be calling for the next uh, title shot. As well, so, um, but yeah, I, I would be f- there for either one of those fights. I think Figgy's definitely put himself in the spot to. I know, I know they are, uh, the post fight crew are throwing around like Dominique Cruz and a couple other people who are kind of in between that spot. But I do think that five six is definitely where he should go. Yeah, looking at <clears throat> looking at the division now, I think Corey he really is the only one that makes sense unless you like unless you like Piotr. Um, but I I would prefer Corey in that as it's well. It's a great fight, so, man. Yeah. yeah, really fun fight. Next fight and last one that we're gonna preview, boys. Sean Brady. <laughs> Defeats Kelvin Gastelum via third round Kimura. Um, and I think there's just only one thing to do here, and that is to take it to our current Kimura correspondent, Brandon. <laughs> take it away. Recap this fight and the finish as our uh, Kimura correspondent. Very, very dominant performance from Sean Brady. Yeah. I mean, the takedowns were, I don't know if he was 100% on takedowns, but I know he was very accurate. He landed had to be close. most of the ones he attempted. Um, even on the feet, though, I think he had some great moments. He uh, he dropped Kelvin at least once, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so the power looked like it was still there. He which that was the big question coming into this is how he's five for five on takedowns. Okay, so hundred percent on takedowns. The big question mark was how's he going to look on the feet? Because as Nate said, Kelvin bombs. Kelvin is great on the feet, and Brady just showed up and was present through all that and was able to persevere and get those takedowns. And once he was on top, he maintained top position the entirety of the of the time he was down there. Um, the one instance in the first round, he gets the back, and Kelvin did a great job of getting out. So you could tell that Brady made an adjustment mid-fight. When he got the top, he didn't really go to the back much. He maintained top yeah. mount position. I think for that reason, because Kelvin has pretty good back yeah. defense, and uh, was able to get the Kimura in that third round, and then was able to come up top and just submit the or get the finish from there. And it was just beautiful, beautiful yeah. technique. I thought every everything I thought Brady would kind of struggle to do in this fight, he not only did, but excelled and made it look very easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when he got that first takedown with ease, I knew uh, Kelvin, it was going to be a long night for Kelvin. Uh, this was just so, such a dominant performance. Um, but I think also the and more importantly, the best Sean Brady that we've seen to date, in my opinion, mm-hmm. as well. Um, and Jacob asked us, you know, in the in our group chat was, you know, was it just that Kelvin was just off or was Brady just that good? I kind of seem to think both are true in this mm-hmm. fight um, because I kind of think that even if Kelvin was on, I don't know that he would have still won this fight, being honest. So I think both things can kind of be true um, because – but for me, something that – Definitely did seem a little weird. Was Kelvin seemed off on the feet, as Brandon said. I thought flat. for sure, he, yes, very flat, just very unsettled. Um, he was doing that weird leg thing um, where he was kind of like almost like maybe wanting to take like a more Muay Thai approach or something. Um, just, I was very shocked, you know, that the kicks were seemingly a big part of his game plan when the takedown was such a big threat. You know, that takedown threat from Brady was mm-hmm. everything. Um, and then after getting taken down twice by leg kicks, he just kept throwing them. And I'm like, man, and, and then his corner, you know, in the third, going into third was like, dude, no more leg kicks, like just throw hands. Um, but at that point he was just too far out of the fight and Brady mm-hmm. was too far ahead. Um, but again, you know, I, I don't want to say at the other end, I don't want to say for Brady as well as, you know, I thought even though he dominated on the ground, I thought he also dominated on the feet as well. Mm -hmm. So that is worth mentioning there. Um, And 
honestly got the better of almost every exchange. Yeah, and I think when you do get that early takedown and the ease that he's able to get to those legs, I think that that also sets up your striking. You know, we talk about it, you know, now people are thinking they don't, you know, want to keep their hands low, they're watching, and some of those, you know, he's doing that reach for the leg, throw the overhand right. I think that's the one where he dropped him with it. Um, and maybe it was right, left, or left, right. I'm not sure. But I think Kelvin did a really good job of defending the back for as long as he could. But you're only, you're not going to keep dealing with that. No. Eventually, you're going to wear down, and I think that's what happened. Yeah, not from a guy on that level like Sean Brady. Um, I guess in the same way Jacob kind of asked us, you know, you know, is this just Kelvin, bad night for Kelvin, good night for Brady? Uh, now that we see this, what the heck do you guys think happened in the Bilal fight for Brady? Because kind of in that same vein, either Brady was off or Bilal is just really that good. I mean, I mm-hmm. don't know which is the case. Like, I, you guys know I'm kind of more like I'm really in on Bilal. I have been for a while. Um, so I'm kind of just more in that like direction of it. Um, could have been a bad night. I know Brady said, you know, he kind of said the whole Abu Dhabi aspect of that fight kind of got to him. Fair enough, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um but man, that's that's a very that, that, let's just say that that win for Bilal now has aged very well. I think I think that um I, I see what he's saying about the Abu Dhabi thing. I also think just looking at Bilal, like I think one of you mentioned last week as well. Brady seems like a very physically strong human yeah. being. John I think did, yeah. I think Bilal is probably even stronger. So yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think when Brady locked up with him, he felt that and like you know it's if like, you can oh, if God. you can shut down that grappling from Brady, especially at least at that fight, yeah, the striking just wasn't nearly what it even is. I'm not saying his striking has expanded you know leaps and bounds today but it's clearly a little bit better something's cleaner um so at the time when he fought below i don't think it was quite there and below is just so strong i think he had the striking to out you know clearly finish brady at that point and then going to the gilbert i think it's almost the same thing like he was incredibly strong and and i think gilbert injured himself at one point in that fight or Bilal injured him yeah wizard so that that factors into it well but i think it ultimately comes back to Bilal is just probably a lot stronger than people want to give him credit for and the technique i think is better than most you want to give him credit for yeah yeah i think it's a good you know for sean brady it's also tough because he did take his first loss you you know he did i mean he talked a lot about how he just wasn't mentally where he wanted to be we know mental like the mental side is a big part of fighters but you know even getting that that loss now you don't have to defend that oh you can just go out there go out there and fight and i think this is also was a different situation too of you know you had kelvin trying to come back down and you know you had to be the guy to defend your spot whereas before you were the undefeated prospect about to get to the title so maybe there is a little mix of you know mentally just being in a better spot having you know gone on a big card against a Bilal Muhammad and loss and not being able to recover loved Brady's did it he did our job for us loved his call out there of Ian Machado Gary who is probably having the worst week ever I mean I don't know I can't think of a guy ever having a worse week in mixed martial arts I mean poor Ian Gary everybody coming after that man this past week um including Sean Brady who in his you know pre-fight presser uh said that he had spent some time training with Gary didn't like him basically thought he was dirty kind of a shady dude um but I love that fight idea, and I actually think Brady should just face the winner, regardless of if mm-hmm. it's Gary or Vincente Luque. Love that. Either of those guys coming out of that fight, I love that matchup for Sean Brady. I think it makes a ton of sense as well. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude. Ian Gary, holy cow. <laughs> that is a rough, yeah, rough when week. When Dylan Danis jumps into, you know it's going to be a long week. Our boy Cody Marrow sent me a some diss track. Somebody made a diss track about Ian Gary this week. I'm like, geez, dude. Like, you got all these people coming at him, and then somebody took time out of their life to record a diss track. Like, holy cow. 
Man, hang in there. He, yeah. Hang in there, Ian Gary. Holy cow. Yeah, if he if he can if he can recover from this, the comeback story is real because <laughs> yeah. gosh, man. Uh also worth mentioning, you know, kind of a tough break here for Gasolum. Gonna be very interesting to see what he does next. I thought he looked good at 170 in terms of making the weight physically uh, on the scales. I thought he looked really good. Uh but man, this division is just so, so tough right now. And based off that, I just don't see where he's gonna fit into the top fifteen. Mm-hmm. Maybe he takes a step back, you know, maybe fights somebody not ranked inside the top 15. I don't think you give him, like, I don't know, man. It's just going to be a really tough place for him to be right now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you know, maybe you give him, like, an Ishmael Bonfim, you know, somebody he can kind of go in there and just try to mix it up with, like another guy coming off a loss. But, whew, that's going to be... Yeah, well, and, and even when you just look at how he looked in the ring... You know, against Chris Curtis, he's floating around. He's yeah. jabbing. I mean, he looks great. Yeah. Then you cut down. The weight cut does go good, but the performance in the cage looks like a guy who, you know, is coming down weight and hasn't quite figured out how to have that same feel as he did at 85. Yeah. A couple other quick results. You know, nothing, like I said, don't want to go too in. Uh, you know, Joakim Silva being Clay Guida. This told you guys, win, lose, or draw. Like, what a moment for Clay Guida. And this is why I love these live, you know, fight night cards. And I just kind of hate the apex because for a guy at Clay Guida, like 40 whatever years old, end of his career, to get that kind of reception, you know, before he'd even step foot in the cage was just so cool to see. And I told you guys, you know, all the fighters that have had to end their career in a quiet apex is like just Mm -hmm. it's pretty sad um uh, let's see misha tate that was a what a performance by her you know to go out and get a finish get a win and kind of in a similar thing like clay you know just a cool moment for her to have that um and then cody brundage brundage and jacar close back-to-back slam knockouts uh that was insane both of those the the brundage one more so like just slam that guy on the side of his head that that was the first one that was the second, second one. one. Okay. That was pretty brutal uh, for sure to see. Um, but, yeah, we didn't uh, – let's see. A lot of behind-the-scenes drama, mainly between Bobby Green and Armand Sarukian. Uh, so, Sarukian, like, like right out of the gate, ran up and Bobby Green at the – like, really, like, wrong. Ran up and, like, grabbed Bobby Green by the neck. I think that was on, like, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And then you know a guy like Bobby Green's going to, like – not just take that right. right so then he goes and finds him like thursday or friday and then they get into like a big <laughs> scuffle in the hotel and like man it was just little 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 much like you know you don't see that a whole whole lot in terms of where things actually get physical like that um but I guess kind of that's that could be a good question for you guys is, you know, do you think there should be, you know, some disciplinary actions kind of taken here towards either man, um, especially since things, like I said, did get physical and it, they got physical in the hotel, you know, where there's fans, there's hotel employees, there's other guests of the hotel, you know, somebody could really get hurt mm-hmm. if these guys start like scuffling and getting like a kind of like a mob fight almost between teams and things like it can get kind of out of hand. So I don't know. Like, do you think that's something the UFC because they, they didn't say anything. I mean, there mm-hmm. was just silence on there and at least as far as what they put out there i don't know that's a tough one like we've talked about this before like what's the what's the ufc's reach in terms of condoning behavior from athletes when they're not operating inside on like on fight night yeah um i, I guess if you were going to do anything i would say fining them like fi- like some sort of monetary fine would make some sense but i guess you just don't want to set a precedent though where like this is okay on like a fight week like because if you're if you're saying that like oh you can go and like do this kind of stuff like you just need to make a statement of like you know 
we can't just have you running up and fighting somebody. Like, I mean, but that, but you you say that, but then they use the McGregor throwing dollies through buses in their promos. Yeah, so that's, like, that's a good point. How many times does Data say, "Oh, this is the fight business"? Like, yeah. it's what these guys do. You know, that's a very I mean? fair so. point. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. I just, yeah, I don't know. Well, what, what made it seem, what makes it kind of almost worse, I guess, in a sense, is Bobby Green was just sitting by himself. And then that's when Armand and everybody came over, and yeah, and, it's just no, like completely unsolicited. Like there's just seemed to be no reason. Well, and some of those daggy guys, if you say something about them, they'll he's not daggy. Oh, I'm just saying, just guys in that area. What is he? I don't know what he is. <laughs> How do you know he's in the area? Because I know it. Because what area are you talking about? That area in Dagestan, is, Russia. You think Ar- Ar- Armenia is close to Dagestan? Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, like I said, those guys seem to have a thing for you know holding <laughs> on to a, what people say. That's a geography lesson with John. Yeah, <laughs> geography with um, John. But like to hold on to a statement that they might have heard weeks ago, and then like, oh, come on, man, you can't say that. You know, you got to do something about it. Yeah. And then, with, like you said, Bobby was like, you know what? I'm putting the shiesty on. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm gonna catch you in the hallway. I know, man. And then, and then obviously for Armand afterwards, he'd be like, I like seeing his head get bounced off the Ugh, cage and yeah, stuff. That was like, rough. Yeah, not a great statement there. Either. That's, that's just cutthroat, man. Yeah, see, I guess like the words aspect, like, okay, that's just more reflective on your character. You know, that is what it is. But yeah, when things actually get physical and like I said, in a public place, like, I guess it'd be different if it is at the apex, like behind the scenes type stuff, you know, not great, but you know, something very public like that and you're there on the UFC's time mm-hmm. on their dime um I mean I guess I just would not want that being what would you do the norm I would probably issue some sort of a suspension maybe like some sort of pay thing you just you gotta you can't just like let that be a normal thing man for anybody I mean I don't care who it is Connor on down like you just at some point like like the dolly thing look if you come out and you're like look we were we just made a mistake like we should have addressed it then. But, you know, moving forward, no more this, no more that. If you get into a fight, you know, because how many times do we hear Dana say, like, everybody thinks, like, oh, we, we want to profit off this, and we love when this stuff happens, but it's a nightmare. He's like, we don't want guys fighting. It's- so does that extend to, like, arrests for domestic violence or things like that? What do you mean? Like, okay, so if a fighter gets I think charged. Should, yeah, for sure they should be, like, suspended to some degree. I believe that. Happens in the NFL. Yeah. I but mean, they're not. But so being like, a private contractor, I think that might make it a little yeah, bit Yeah, for different. sure. For sure. But, like, even the same thing. Like, if, you know, there's a reason NFL teams don't stay at the same hotel. But if a guy came to, you know, the Indianapolis Colts team hotel and starts fighting guys in the lobby, that guy's probably not playing the rest of the season. And he's going to get fined a lot of money as well. Um, <clears throat> now, I know, obviously, UFC doesn't work in seasons. But how you hit these guys where pay is a big issue is you find them money. Um, so, you know, taking, you know, 20, 30% of somebody's pay or more, mm-hmm. you know, but you just have to set, and, and I'm not saying you do it maybe right now. Um, but I think moving forward, they should implement some form of language and make it known to every fighter, like fight week scuffles at the hotel, no longer acceptable. 50% of your pay, whatever will be docked all of your pay. I don't know. Like, but yeah. I just think there's a lot, like, especially when you're dealing with certain people, you know, from certain areas, like John yeah. said, mm-hmm. uh, you know, those things like, cause you heard uh, Dana say on the Nelk boy podcast this week that he thinks Habib and his guys could literally come over and take over the U S right now. Cause they're just kind of so really about that life. Right. Um, so when you got guys like that, man, like, yeah, you don't want them just running around thinking they can just do whatever. Well, and you don't know the entourages very well. You don't know who right. these guys have and the type of people they are. Like, very, very true. Things could get really sketchy. I agree, man. Brandon update us on our scores. Yeah. So it was a big, uh, big night for me and John, Nate, you come in with, yeah. you come away with two points, John, you had four. It, I had six. Six. Your guys is welcome on that too because if we just made those first two fights one pointers, um, like they were supposed to be, uh, you know, 
you know how that goes. Yeah, you, I think you're just afraid of losing your spot. So how, how many am I up by? Now you're up by three. You have 95, I have Ooh. 92, John has 88. It's getting it. close. I love it. Got to turn it up. All righty, boys. Let's move in. Going to try to breeze through these somewhat quickly. This Saturday's UFC Fight Night from the Apex. Main card start time of 10 p.m. Eastern Standard in our main event and in the bantamweight division. Number seven, Song Yudong versus number 14, Chris Gutierrez. Um... And boys, a quick background on this fight, um, not just the fight, I guess, but kind of the whole card itself. It's important to remember that this card was originally scheduled to take place in Shanghai. However, due to undisclosed reasons, the UFC moved it back stateside and into the apex. And our original main event, as we mentioned, was supposed to be Song Yidong, uh, who was going to take on former Bantamweight champion Piotr Jan. However, about a month ago, uh, Jan was forced off due to injury and Gutierrez answered the call. Um, and for the Chinese contender, Song Yidong, Dong, he is returning off his very one-sided win over Ricky Simone back in April um, and has won nine of his 12 UFC bouts with finishes and most of those uh, victories as well. Um, and his opponent, Chris Gutierrez, comes in off his unanimous decision um, over Song's countrymate, Altung Haley, back in October. Uh, Gutierrez has been pretty active this year as this will be his third fight in 2023 and has equally been impressed, uh, has an equally impressive, excuse me, win percentage in the UFC having won eight of his 11 UFC fights um, and he has faced some pretty big names like Frankie Edgar and you know Pedro Munoz um, who he did lose to in his last defeat but I do think for the first time he will be facing a legit contender in Song Yidong uh, John who you taking man I, this one's really difficult um, only in the sense that I, I do think Song Yidong is a, a better overall MMA fighter what I do think is that Chris Gutierrez has an X factor with his leg kicks that can negate some of what Song Yudong could even bring to him. Yeah. I mean, even if you look at him and Pedro Munoz fight, they both threw over 50 leg kicks. Like, it was a leg kick battle. Yeah. And Song doesn't necessarily do that. In his last fight, he threw, like, 20-something. That's sure. the most he's probably done um, in his run. So, if Chris can get to those leg kicks, it can be very, very um, tough for Song to get the rest of his game off. But I do really believe in the fast hands and the, the movement of Song Yudong to maybe get out of the way or maybe use like parlay that into maybe some takedowns. Um, so I'm going to take Song Yudong here. I will say by third round TKO. Yeah, I'm. I really like Song in this matchup. I just think he's 26. He's young. He's still like not. He's still got plenty of years until he even reaches his prime. But I just think his speed, his athleticism, his power are just something that he he has just a level that a lot of people can't match. And I think, like John said, the speed and power in his hands. That's what I'm taking in terms of this fight. What's going to get the job done? I think that even the leg kicks could be uh, allow for an opening that Song can catch. That I think that's what I would see happening here so um, I also think his grappling's improved he lost to Sanhagen but then in that next fight with Simone he showed some improvement in the defense still got taken down but dude with his athleticism his ability to get up is just it's it's getting much much better so I'm taking Song here I'm actually going to go with first round knockout okay yeah I actually do see this as a closer matchup than like you know maybe the rankings may suggest I um, mean a lot of it comes down to stylistically these guys should match up really well both excellent strikers as you both mentioned uh, kind of like John obviously Chris Gutierrez out of Factory X, utilizes those late kicks so well um, and really is just a phenomenal, ki phenomenal kicker in general. Um, but man, I just can't get past that Pedro Munoz loss for Gutierrez when I go back and watch it, especially in looking at it in this matchup against Song. Um, because what Pedro did so well in that fight was 
he just really ate the distance and the range up of Gutierrez and forced him on the back foot. And Gutierrez really struggled absorbing that forward pressure mm-hmm. uh, from Pedro. And I think that may be what we see here from Song. Um, and likewise from Song, I was I was really impressed by his Ricky Simone win. I mean, he just put out a performance like that against Guy and Simone, who I find to be pretty impressive and special himself. And I think Song is just the more complete fighter right now at this time. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked either if we see Song maybe even use some grappling in this matchup to get this fight down. Um, I think the five-round aspect of this fight makes things even more favorable for Song Yidong, Um, as we just haven't seen Gutierrez pass three rounds, right? Um, and Gutierrez has never been knocked out. So I think it's going to be tough for Song to finish him, especially early. So I think he's going to have to look for something a little bit late, and that's actually how I think it goes. So I will take Song Yidong by first round, or fifth round, excuse me. <laughs> he's going to go long. Big, first yeah. round? <laughs> big, big difference there. Uh, let us move into the co-main event, boys, in the lightweight division, or light heavyweight division. Got those two mixed up today. Um, and our co-main event is number eight, Anthony Smith versus number 11. Khalil Roundtree Jr. This is another late notice change and addition to this card as Roundtree was set to face Azamat Mirzakhanov this past Saturday at UFC Austin. However, Mirzakhanov was forced off due to pneumonia. Uh, so answering the call on two weeks notice is Anthony Smith, uh, who will also be fighting for the third time in 2023. Um, and that will be the first time he has done that since 2020. He is one and one this year with a unanimous decision loss against Johnny Walker back in May and most recently a split decision win over Ryan Spann back in August. His opponent Khalil Roundtree comes in with a lot of steam on Saturday night and has won his last four straight with his most recent being a first round knockout over Johnny's favorite Chrissy Dacus back in (laughs) August Um, and I think even with the late notice element of this fight if he can find a way past Anthony Smith and add that scalp um, and make it five straight wins he is going to find himself sitting very well in this light heavyweight division so with that John are you taking the Chris Dacus killer? Or are you going the light uh, Lionheart Anthony mm. Smith? You know, anytime somebody can take out a Dacus, they're a top ranked guy, and I'm pretty sure that everybody knows that. Fair enough. Did he get a new dog or something? You got any breaking Dacus news for us? Uh, no, he got spotted at a Dunkin' Donuts. I don't know. All right, fair enough. Nobody asked him about anything, but you know, for this, like, if I'm looking at just skill, I feel like it's Anthony Smith. You know, he has all these attributes. I think he has everything he needs to beat almost anybody in the division. But I think the problem with me is the mental side. When you look at like the Johnny Walker fight um, and even the Uncle Aya fight a little bit with getting the this foot injury, but he just has this thing where I think guys can kind of push through him. And if if he doesn't give enough resistance, he kind of just can, has a, a thing where he could fold. And Khalil Roundtree is a guy who's scary the whole fight. He's, th- he's kicking your knee in. He's throwing as hard as he can. And I just think he has what it takes to kind of push through uh, Anthony Smith at this point. Um, I think Anthony Smith is the the better grappler. I think the stand-up could be very interesting, but I do think that, especially the way that Khalil Roundtree attacks the legs, and for Anthony Smith having some issues with his legs getting hurt, I think that this is a, a perfect opportunity for Khalil Roundtree to put a big name on his record. So I'm going Khalil Roundtree with second-round TKO. Yeah, I like Roundtree as well in this one. I think just Anthony Smith, I, he looked off in that Johnny Walker loss, and I actually think Ryan Spann won that that fight um I, I it was close but i still think ryan span got the better um i i just I, yeah he just hasn't looked consistent um and i so for me coming in late notice against roundtree who's like you said four in a row he's looked fantastic he carries great power 
But I do think Anthony Smith is very tough, maybe even a little yeah. too tough for his own good. Like, you look at the Glover fight where he's, like, picking up his teeth in the middle of the yeah. fight. Like, that's that's not fun to watch. Um, so I think it might be a tough one for Roundtree to finish, even though I do think he has the power to do so. I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm actually going to go with Roundtree to win by unanimous decision here just because it's three rounds, um, and I think that I can see Smith push himself through three, but I still think Roundtree gets it done. Yeah, I actually like this matchup a lot more for Roundtree than the Mirzakhanov fight. Um, and not just for the last-minute nature of it, although that definitely helps him a bit as well. Uh, but also for Smith, this isn't just his third fight this year, but this is his third fight in seven months. Mm. Um, and at this stage in his career, you know, I'm just not sure if that's a good or a bad thing for a guy like Smith. Um, but again, you know, all those things aside, I just see this as a favorable striking matchup for Roundtree. You know, Smith likes to keep a big wide stance a lot of the time. Uh, so like kind of John said, I think uh, Roundtree, who has some nasty leg kicks, is going to look to just rifle those things, try to eat up that lead leg. When he kicked that dude's knee in. Yeah. yeah, man, and you know, he he was really tearing up Ryan Spann's legs in that fight as well, but I just don't think the leg kick is really something that's maybe in Ryan Spann's tool belt the way a guy like who has a phenomenal Muay Thai base mm -hmm. like Khalil Roundtree does. Um, and then obviously the power of Roundtree, and I know, again, you can say Smith, Smith dealt with the uh, Spann and his power pretty well, but remember, Ryan Spann did catch him big in that second round and dropped him. Uh, mm -hmm. And Roundtree is, you know, just a much more technical striker as well than a guy like Ryan Spann. So, um, he's good with big counter shots as well. You know, the only thing that could worry me as far as picking Roundtree is at times he does lack volume. It almost cost him in that Dustin Jacoby fight, I felt like, because remember, Jacoby was just bombing on him, but he mm -hmm. was kind of landing more. It was that power versus volume thing. Um, and a guy like Smith, who's so tough, like Brandon said, not easy uh, to finish. That could be a problem because Smith does have a way of slowing guys down, making them fight his pace at his fight, you know, and just kind of picking them apart to these close split unanimous decision type wins. So Roundtree needs to get on it, stay active. I think he'll get it done. Um, man, as a, yeah, Smith is so tough. But again, you know, we'll see how he holds up, man. Three fights in seven months at 35 years old. You know, that's a lot for a guy mm -hmm. like Smith who's been in some wars. I could see him getting to the bell, though. Didn't you guys take a decision? I did. He did, and I took second I, round TK. I like I like a decision. Um, I really do. Uh, but I'll take I'll take goggle one round later. Then I'll say third round uh, TKO. I don't know, man. I wouldn't be surprised if Cleo catches him early, though. Yeah, I just think he's going to go one hundred percent right at him, and I it's going to be really like Anthony Smith's going to really have to dig deep and push Khalil Roundtree back. And I just don't know if he has that in the bag right now. Yeah, and you know this isn't a really bad card, man. You got Sumu Darji uh, versus Alan Nasi Mont. Nasi Monto, uh, Nazrak Haspras versus Jamie Malarkey, uh, Zhu Young Park versus Andre Muniz, Iron Turtle, the Iron Turtle. Love the Iron Turtle. Love Andre Muniz. That should be a fun one. Uh, looking down, there's a lot of Asian talent on it, obviously, because this was supposed to take place in Shanghai. But yeah, great, great little fight night coming up this Saturday. Uh, so with that, though, boys, we are going to move into our UFC 300 dream cards. John, we need you looking at the camera. You just messed up the whole intro, man, for the video. Trying to pull it up, man. <laughs> I don't have a computer screen in front of me, so I have to pull it up. Fair enough. UFC 300 Dream Cards. Let us move to that now. Uh, we each have five fights that we uh, would like to see on UFC 300. And it's worth noting, we definitely tried to kind of walk the line of fiction and reality, right? So these mm -hmm. cards may seem a bit far-fetched, but we did take into consideration things like timelines, matchups, rankings, etc. Uh, so most of these fights do make perfectly good sense. But remember, this is just still our dream cards. Uh, so it's not necessarily what we think will happen. 
just what could happen and what we'd like to see. Uh, so with that, let us start with John. Um, and what fight, John, do you have kicking off your UFC 300 main card? All right. So for my first fight, I have a welterweight banger between Jack Della Maddalena and Gilbert Burns. To get Jack a chance to try to get up in that ranking, he still had on a really good streak. Obviously, Gilbert Burns coming off the Muhammad loss. I think this is a really good matchup of guys that will bang it out to start off my card. You heard of me? Yep, yep, right in here. So my one, the first one for me is Jim Miller taking on Paul Felder or any other um, lightweight at that or welterweight at that point. But the reason being, I think Jim Miller is a guy who's talked about wanting to be on 300 for a long yeah. time. So I just got to have him on there. Um, and I think that Paul Felder would be a fantastic matchup for him. I don't think they fought before and Felder's put his name in the hat to kind of get back into the pool. So um, that's my first one. My first fight is... Jim Miller versus Paul Felder. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think you mentioned it, too. I think that's why I was kind of ringing in. Fair enough. Here. Yeah, I mean, this fight is just kind of really taking a life of its own, though. You know, obviously, like Brandon said, Jim Miller's been on 100, 200. He's made it a goal to be on 300. Um, it was always just kind of about finding the right opponent at this stage of his career. And then enter the Irish Dragon, Paul Felder, who in September, as we discussed then, you know, he's re-entered USADA, said he wants to make a return, um, which would, you know, it also make... Um, him a great dance partner for Jim Miller in this fight. Uh, now, this doesn't necessarily have to be a main card fight like I have it here in this fifth slot. I, I, I think it's I think if it's billed kind of to as Miller's retirement fight, plus the story of the 100, 200, 300, it just makes it a bigger fight. Uh, plus, stylistically, uh, this fight would just be awesome and a fantastic pay-per-view opener. But I think it would also make a great, like, prelim main event as mm -hmm. well. So, like, live on ESPN, you know, which they probably will be on ESPN or maybe even on ABC. So, I could see it topping that, but I definitely like it here in this pay-per-view opener because... Giving Jim Miller that moment, letting Paul Felder come back, and then, dude, these two are going to go at it. I mean, yeah. somebody's going to sleep in this fight 100%. So moving up the card, John, what is your second fight on your dream UFC 300? My second fight will be Marab Dwalishvili facing Henry Cejudo. I think that that's a matchup that's on paper. I mean, we've been Henry's been calling for it. We don't know what Marab's doing yet. I think 300 is the perfect time to put them in there. Brandon, what do you got? All right, so my next one is actually Michael Chandler versus Max Holloway at 155. So I think that would be, um, first of all, the matchup itself I think is fantastic. you got Max Holloway who never gets finished ever. He likes to throw down, and Michael Chandler is willing to do that with just about anybody as well. He's done it with Gaethje, Poirier. Um, and I think seeing Max come up to 55 is fantastic because we've talked about that being a good option for him. And it, it will make sense as I go down my card as well as to why I have Chandler in there with him. So that's my that's my second fight. This is funny. We did not tell each other our fight cards at all. But my second fight is Henry Cejudo versus Mayrob <laughs> Dwalishvili. Uh, yeah, this fight, it has to happen. It needs to happen. Both guys coming off of injuries. So I think timelines will really make sense here as well. Uh, but more importantly, it just makes so much sense for the Bantamweight division and would instantly give us our new number one contender, which I think is super important here. And that's kind of my theme here for this card because I don't know that we'll get multiple title fights on this card or maybe any even even any title fights at all for that matter uh so you know i just want to see the best matchups with some clear-cut number one contenders coming out of them um you know with the understanding that Corey sanhagen could still factor into this as well somehow you know we mentioned him a minute ago with maybe figurado uh, but Corey is injured as well so he's out for a while uh but this fight to me fits perfectly into that number one contender style matchup winner 
definitely goes on to face the winner of Cheeto O'Malley, and I love this matchup. It'd be a ton of fun. So, mm-hmm. and probably probably a very underrated fun buildup as well. Let me add that aspect. Oh, yeah. uh, next fight, John. What is your third fight? For my third fight, I'm going Hamzat Chimaev and Robert Whitaker. I think it gives somebody gives them a chance to have a, a title challenger for obviously the the. Um, the Strickland and Duplessis, um, and it gives Hamza another big name before he gets there and gives Whitaker a chance to get his name back in the mix. Mine was actually Hamza Chemaev versus Israel Adesanya. Mm. Now, my, my reasoning for that, you mentioned like a little bit of fiction. I know Izzy said 2025. Sorry, 2027. <laughs> this is uh, UFC 300. So I'm expecting UFC to throw out a lot of money sure. at these guys. So I think that money talks, and I think we could probably get Izzy back in there. Cool little storyline, him friends with Kamaru. Hamza's coming off the win over him. Yeah. Um, I think that'd be a fun buildup, and it kind of gives us some some outlook as to what that division is going to have is for the title picture um, after we see Strickland and um, so yeah that's that's my next one. This is interesting. We are all <laughs> in a very similar mind frame with this card and I find that to be completely fascinating. Probably not the funnest thing to listen to here because <laughs> uh, a lot of similarities but even how we're like stacking the divisions in order of the card. This is interesting. My third fight is Kamara Usman versus Robert Whitaker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we <laughs> talked about this after Usman lost to Shimaev, um, but I think hands down this is probably the biggest non-title middleweight fight the UFC could make right now, um, and I think it, there's an argument it's the biggest, or at least the biggest they can make without Hamza Shimaev involved in a fight, right? Uh, but there's definitely, to me, a case for it being even bigger than Sean Strickland versus Drikas Duplessis. Um, it just makes so much sense. Both guys coming off of a loss, uh, both guys could get right back into title contention with a win here. Um and uh, given both guys' records and their pedigrees, like their history, former champions, all that just makes sense. But regardless, it is just a fun, intriguing matchup that I would love to see play out in the UFC ring here at UFC 300. Um, now, this is where things for my card got interesting. The main and co-main, uh, because these were um, completely different mine were earlier in the week and given some recent developments I actually had to switch mine up uh, because I do want to try to keep it somewhat realistic right Uh, but still maintaining the dream aspect of it which I feel I did so I will uh, give my dream car uh, my dream like this is going to be my dream card what I'm about to give but I do want to make I just want to make this mention before I get into it Um, but I am also going to give an explanation after of like my old card like my original one Mm -hmm. um but with that, John, let's get to your co-main event. My co-main event will be Surreal Gone and Jelton Almeida to see oh, who would nice. face Tom Aspinall like later that. in the year. Uh, big fan of Jelton Almeida. We talk about dream cards, and then just gives yeah. him give that uh, you know having a heavyweight there because uh, I don't have any title fights on mine. So that's sure. a heavyweight in the co-main event in a number that. one contender spot. My co-main event is, I kind of have a little asterisk, so preferably it's Alex Pajera versus Jamal Hill for oh. the 205-pound strap. Um, if it, for some reason Jamal couldn't do it, then you can all, also do the rematch with Yuri. Okay. Um, that's, my, that's my co-main. All right, yeah. My co-main is Max Holloway versus Al Jermaine Sterling. Uh, so this past week... Aljo, this is why I said I had to confirm or switch mine up because Aljo uh, did confirm on Mighty Mouse's podcast that he will be going to featherweight. Um, And then he also tweeted the quote, uh, March, and then he said, trying to make it blessed. 
so March obviously could make sense for UFC 300, like we mentioned. Many fans speculating, you know, Max Bless Holloway, or Bless being for Max Bless Holloway, which Aljo did confirm that's the fight that he wants. Uh, now, I haven't seen Max respond to this in any way, at least currently I never saw, uh, but I do think this fight makes a ton of sense, and I do think it's a super fight, and again, as Dana mentioned on the Nelk Boys podcast, that they are currently working on a super fight that does not involve Conor McGregor. This fight could definitely be that, I think. Um and it because it would fall in line with that. Uh, again, this wasn't my ch- first choice for Max, as I'll get to when I explain my original card. But it's a great option; makes a ton of sense for him, especially if he isn't quite sure what he wants to do in terms of moving up to lightweight. Uh, you know, take this super fight because I do think that there is a legitimate chance that Ilya Toporia defeats Alexander Volkanovsky. So if he does two, it can make sense for Max. Like, let me stick this out. One more fight. There's another contender, a new contender, you know, for me to kind of hang in there, see what I want to do. Um, because even if Taporia does beat Volk, you know, Volk will get his instant rematch. But if that fight happens in February, they could rematch on International Fight Week. And then the winner of Aljo and Max could possibly find themselves fighting at the end of the year, say in December, for the title. Uh, so that's the thing for Aljo, you know, with this too, is if, you know, he does win, he's an instant number one contender. Um, but I think it makes a ton of sense. And I, I would love to see that matchup as well, especially mm-hmm. we just haven't seen Max really challenged by a grappler, right? I mean, right. Nobody, we just haven't seen that. I would love to see that. Uh, from Max, so that's my unless co- you count Brian Ortega, but unless you count Brian Ortega, fair enough. Yeah, but Brian just doesn't have that like takedown yeah. ability. That's yeah. what he's missing. Like Aljo is going to break his neck to try to get mm-hmm. Max to the ground, and I want to see that bad. Mm-hmm. Like I would love to see how Max handles that. I'm not saying I don't think he could, or I don't. I you know I favor one guy or the other. I just want to see it play out. So, John, what is your UFC 300 dream main event? And for my main event, I have Conor McGregor facing Michael Chandler. Um, there, there was another matchup that I liked more, but I think as far as just like the names, but I think Michael Chandler is the perfect style of fighter to put up against Connor to have just a huge main event. It's going to be like him and Gaethje. They're going to be standing right in front of each other, exchanging blows. And first, you know, even if you, whether you like, or you hate Connor, you want somebody like that. Who's going to stand on his toes right in front of him. And I think that would just make a huge main event. Sure. My main event is Connor McGregor versus Justin Gaethje. I think again, money talks. I know Justin's not a big fan. Yeah. the Connor matchup but I think if you throw enough money at him it'll be done and the reason I want it for the BMF belt is because there's at least a belt on the line I just yes. I, I personally you, you put him at the top of the card with no belt like against Chandler and right. the, for, for purposes of my card and then you have let's say the 205 belt underneath that doesn't make a ton of sense logistically I get that it's Connor so if you at least attach the BMF belt to it there's a belt so we got two belts there and my main event is <laughs> Connor McGregor versus Justin Gaethje <laughs> for the BMF title yeah this fight it's really just kind of a capula- encapsulates everything that this exercise is about for me. Um, And that is kind of where dreams meet reality a bit, right? Because there's absolutely nothing stopping or preventing this fight from happening. Um, You know, I don't think they're going to take Chandler from the Connor fight or take the Connor fight from Chandler, I mean, especially with Dana doubling down on that. Uh, But I'll say it again, nothing is stopping them. And it's not like they haven't done that before, right? Taking fights as recent as Paulo Costa versus Ikram Alaskarov, where they scrapped that fight to pit Costa against Hamza. Like they can do that. Mm -hmm. So nothing is preventing that from happening. Uh, but regardless, I personally just don't see a world where Conor McGregor doesn't main event this card. I know yeah. they've been coy, kind of like dismissive of that idea. Um, but regardless of what they're saying, I just don't see it. If you remember, they wanted him to main event 
UFC 200 and it all fell apart. Um, and this is your best way of getting him back in a main event with a title in play. Regardless of how fans feel of the BMF title, like Brandon's kind of saying here, is the optics of the belt being on the line is important. It makes the fight feel bigger. Why do you think every time Jake Paul steps into a ring, there's some belt involved? That belt is made up. It's a very much fake belt in terms of like meaning. <laughs> um, and then, you know, for Justin Gaethje, it is seeming more and more likely, as we mentioned earlier, that he's going to have to fight again uh, with the UFC still wanting to do Oliveira with Islam next. Um, so if you're Justin, though, but like kind of like how you're saying about him fighting and you had to put your number one contender status on the line, who better if I'm Justin than Conor McGregor, right? Like you'd have to love the odds of winning against a guy who hasn't fought in almost three years, plus coming back from a surgically repaired leg, and no one with better leg kicks than Justin <laughs> Gay. Like, you're just going to start hacking that thing, man. On a main event and at it, UFC 300. Just, absolutely. Uh, plus, it'll be his biggest payday of his career. Mm -hmm. um, and even if you're, you know, you, the UFC, there's benefits because if Conor did beat Gaethje, you could finally put Conor in a title fight, and there's not much fans could say about it. Like, yep, he kind of deserves it. Mm -hmm. uh, plus the matchup. Great matchup, gonna sell itself. Um, I think it would definitely sell more than Connor Chandler main event, in my mm -hmm. opinion. Um, and also, this is just a great way to get Connor back in a big pay per view that feels like there's something real on the line. Plus, like I said, the optics of the BMF title. Yeah, I just feel like it's so big uh, for all parties involved. But I would be shocked if they took that fight from uh, Chandler. I really, mm -hmm. I really would. Um, did you have any like honorable mention stuff that didn't make the list? That yeah, so. Um, so this is what, this is what's kind of tough. So yeah, well, let me. So here was my original card. So my original co-main was Max Holloway versus Justin Gaethje for the BMF title, and my main was Connor versus Chandler. Um, and my thinking here was that this would be the UFC's best way of getting Connor McGregor back in a main event while also making the event kind of feel big with a title on the line or something being competed for because title fights always kind of take precedence over non-title fights, right? Mm -hmm. um, it'd be hard to put Connor on top of a card if there's a title fight under it. Like, again, not saying they couldn't, but right. kind of goes against what a title is supposed to mean and represent. You don't want to make a certain champion feel or look to, like smaller or under just a regular fight. Uh, but the BMF title doesn't carry that same prestige, right? You could definitely do what you want with it. You could have it open a card if you wanted, you mm -hmm. know, there's no rules to that. Um, so basically to me, it was just kind of the best way of getting Connor and a title fight on UFC 300. Um, and then obviously for the UFC, you can not take the McGregor Chandler fight away. You can keep, give Chandler your word on that mm -hmm. puts Connor in a great position to beat a top ranked guy as well think about that for the UFC uh, because if you're the UFC I would rather Connor face Michael Chandler who's one in three in his last four over Justin Gaethje who outside of Oliver and Islam has looked unstoppable and mm -hmm. based off that Faiz fight looks like he's found some new form as well and right. getting better so that was kind of my original one um, but I just felt like you know when Aljo came out with that, I'm like, boy, if I'm the UFC, I might move in that direction. Mm -hmm. And if I'm Max. But again, that whole super fight thing that Dana said, he could very well be talking about Gaethje and Max. That's a super mm -hmm. fight. Yeah. I mean, that's a super fight too. So right. maybe maybe Aljo's too late. And maybe that's know. why he's thinking too, is if he if his mind's even kind of toward 55, Gaethje or actually my my other main event that I kind of went back and forth on was Connor Max too at 55 oh, that'd be a good one um and once again if he's looking at 55 you're looking at connor and you're looking at gaethje as being bigger fights for him than staying down for aljamain as far as yeah. like the name so um the other one i had i had two more 
I did have Bilal Muhammad and MVP, uh, yeah. Michael Veneman Page, maybe making his debut, but there's rumors that I kind of like more as a fight for him. And then I wanted to do Hamza and Paulo Costa, but I just can't, you know, Paulo Costa just can't can't seem to fight um, yeah. from all the things that are happening. So those were the other ones I had uh, in consideration. Yeah, it's tough too because, like, um, if I could have one fight out of every fight I just mentioned, one that I want to see the most is Max versus Justin for the BMF title. Mm-hmm. I just think that's like, just would be so huge. Like, I, I don't know why. Um, and another thing too, with like moving off of um, that, that original one of um, Justin Max and Connor Chandler, I just don't see them doing two big lightweight fights um, mm-hmm. with title implications mm-hmm. as a co-main and main. Like they've just, so you, you, cause like I went back and looked at like 100, 200, like what have they kind of historically done? Mm-hmm. But even in terms of like what they do, like you don't do that. Like right. that would just muddy the water so much. Imagine if Connor wins and Justin wins, like who's the number one contender, you know, and then Justin's going to say, I don't want to, I'm not going to fight. I don't know. Maybe he would, but mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, and I was like, I just don't, I don't see them doing that. So right. I, that's why that was another kind of reason for the, the matchup, but or the change for me. Um, but of all your guys' fights on your card, what's one that you hope if you could only have one play out and happen at UFC 300, what would it be? Um, mine would probably be Marab and Cejudo. I think yeah, that's that, a fun fight, a fun fight, and you just get I mean, that's a matchup that skill wise I just really want to see play out. The other ones are obviously really great, but that's one where I, st- I don't know exactly where I would go, and some of the other ones I have a little bit better of an idea. That's too hard. Like there, there's like three that would that just are like pick a, one. <sighs> Hamza and Izzy. That's the one you want to see the yeah. most. Fair enough. How about on a scale of one to ten, uh, with ten being a hundred percent, all of these fights happen on three hundred, and one being, you know, not a chance any of these happen. I just kind of played out with my heart. This is just my dream card. How likely do you think it is that three hundred plays out exactly how you dreamed it up? Oh, three. Mm. Give it a three. I would say I would say like a, a, that's a that's a rookie score, but fair enough. I would say about five. I think it's fifty because there's everybody almost the four of my five. The winner could probably get a title fight right after, so they might save them. That's another rookie score. I'm really surprised John didn't say like nine. I'm probably pretty <laughs> pretty spot on here. I'm gonna give mine like a four point eight. I do think some of the, I I really do think like Cejudo Marab. I feel like that fight's gonna happen mm-hmm. on three hundred. Like you do kind of like doing this exercise, you do Connor's for sure fighting and I feel like that's on there. You do kind yeah, and you kinda see like where timelines make sense, right? And I feel like and I think maybe that's something I underrated is like that's why so many of our fights are similar because you can kind of see like Well they booked all those champions the past the three pay per views leading up. And that's why I don't think we're really gonna get any championship fights and that's why I think Justin Gaethje has to play into this mm-hmm. card at some point because you need that being like you I mean you could say put Connor on it you don't need a title fair enough but it would be nice optically to have something like that uh, you know somebody tweeted out that uh, UFC 300 Ronda Rousey returns to face Misha Tate yeah I do feel like I, I do feel like uh, I've, I saw people last night saying Misha and Holly mm-hmm. on UFC I thought about that I, like, I kind of want to throw like, I felt a, bad not doing a girl fight yeah. um, but the yeah, I don't know. The other thing, too, is, like, um, I do, I think Connor will, like I said, I don't see a world where he doesn't main event, I, but I feel like guys like Max, Justin, you know, Henry, 
Robert Whitaker. Like some of these guys have to play into this card. Yeah. I feel like there's just no way around it. Mm-hmm. The Jim Miller, Paul Felder one, I think mm-hmm. that's everybody knows that's going to happen. Whether it's on the main, I think card Jim Miller's not. fighting in January, so maybe he's trying to fight out his contract really? to retire at three hundred. Yeah, I, didn't I thought know that. on on the broadcast, I think they'd mentioned him fighting somebody. Interesting, I didn't know that. Um, and then our very own Jacob Herlock had a great idea uh, for this, and that is to have a little competition to see who gets the most fights right for mm. UFC three hundred. That's why I asked you guys. But he said there has to be something for the winner and punishment for the losers. Uh, so what are your guys' thoughts on that? Because we could also just do individual fighters, right? Like over exact matchups. So whoever, Out of the 10, who gets the who most? Who had the most? Yeah, so what, we had yeah 10 fighters. So whoever has the most fighters over exact matchups or we do matchups. What do you guys think? Mm. You're asking about whether we do the fighters versus the matchups yeah. themselves? Yeah. Matchups themselves would probably be harder. It would be harder. Well, the only thing I would say is kind of how you said with your fifth one, it might not be a main card, and I did all main card sure. fighters. So there's a there's a high probability they're on there, but right. the probability of them being main card might not be as big. I say we do matchups, but then okay. you run into what if we tie? There's all sorts of questions here. Oh, we'll do a tiebreaker for show. Leg push wrestle, push-up contest. You'll have to name every generational talent uh, that's <laughs> currently in. In my opinion, in your opinion, okay. that in fight your, in the Armenia Dagestan yeah, area in, in, within. Uh, yeah, within, the area. Yeah, within the area <laughs> wherever the area with <laughs> whatever the john's, area. john's circumference yeah. yeah wherever you circle on a map uh boys let's get into the news going on the news mm, going on the news mm-mm. if you don't like it brandon will punch you and give you a bruise the ufc will be going to mexico city on february 24th for the fight night for a fight night and we now know the co-main event is brandon moreno will be facing amir albazi in a five-rounder um, no other fight on the card has been announced, but there are big rumors for the main event. Um, excited to see them go to Mexico City. I imagine they're going to have the PI open, like all kind of all that. So yeah. uh, it seems like they're doing this thing of more five rounders that aren't uh, associated to a title and like a co-main. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see how that goes on throughout the rest of the year. UFC 298 has another great fight added as Anthony Fluffy Hernandez will be facing Ikram Alaskarov. It's a great um, fight. Great fight. Uh, obviously, we're big fans of Fluffy, so to see him get back in there and Ikram looks so good, yeah. so gives him a chance. And then lastly, on the fight announcement side, one championship, Shinye Aoki will be having his retirement fight against Sage Northcutt. I saw that. <laughs> and I've seen they did like some weird like face-off where Sage tried to shake his hand and yeah. Aoki pulled his hand away. So it's, it's so weird with Sage, obviously. You know, he was on the looking for a fighter had the the crazy horse knockout where it was really bad but he only has three losses like yeah. you'd think how his like career like his buzz just completely died out yeah um former light heavyweight champion jamal hill arrested on a misdemeanor charge for aggravated domestic violence for an incident with his brother uh in the report it said that Hill caused a serious or aggravated injury and he will do back in court in january um this prompted uh sean strickland to call out um Jamal Hill's brother is being a, a wimp. <laughs> Dude, like who like how savage? Like if Jamal Hill is your brother, do you have to be to just be like yeah, that's what I'm I told gonna, you I'm guys. Like, swing on my. Really I wonder if he's like you're coming off an injury. Now's my chance, and like, dude. Like, there's just like, yeah. I mean, I guess maybe on bad Achilles, you can't. Fight. I don't know. Well, like, and for Jamal Hill, you hope it. You know, whatever happened doesn't push back his chance of getting healthy. Obviously, brother, um, or not. Like, there's just no way I'm taking my chances of <laughs> swinging on Jamal. Bigger Hill. brother or little brother? I didn't see the if it's bigger or little. I didn't know that domestic could go to like family members as well. I thought that would just be assault. 
Uh, I thought domestic was just male to female, but no, he's a big brother. I mean, they're always he's always your little brother. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah. that's what it is. It's like his being he just hasn't like uh, accepted the fact that this guy <laughs> will. I mean, dude, it's just like it's so funny to think about guys like that just like taking swings on like ordinary regular people, like. Dude, find a better fight. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing is, like, you think he's your brother. He's probably like, done something for you. So to just swing on your uh, brother, who's like doing wild. so much for your family, man. Wild, who knows? Wild. Uh, PFL inks a multi-year extension with ESPN, locking them in with ESPN for the foreseeable future. Uh, probably another important piece to what they're trying to do. Very interesting. I keep seeing that the UFC, I think, is up with ESPN here soon, and mm-hmm. they there is no talk there of a uh, um, re-upping that relationship. So. Yeah, with this whole sale thing, it's going to be very interesting to see what Dana well, wants to do, and especially he made like a comment last night about how he's looking at uh, relationships and sponsorships differently now. Mm-hmm. He's like, if I have to be in a relationship, he's like, said something about like it's a relationship, and I I like relationships. So if we have to be in one for six years, I need to like you, agree with you, and things like that. So yeah, I, I don't know. That's going to be very very interesting, you know. Obviously, ESPN attached to Disney. Disney's very, like, you know, we've kind of talked about some things that happen in the UFC. Like, I wonder how they feel about that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, uh, I don't know. Be interesting. Well, and then with the UFC merging with WWE, they already have a successful platforms for a pay-per-view, stuff like yeah. that. So maybe they adopt whatever they're doing, whether it's Peacock or however yeah, I mean, else they do it. There's definitely, like, other options out there. And, there, I mean, the UFC's big enough. There's also options. Just do it yourself. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no reason you can't have the UFC plus app and you just buy your pay-per-view you know it's the same same thing five six dollars a month have you had as much issues with the fight pass as you have as we have like espn plus like um, even before like did you ever do it for like grappling things just never really yeah i've only done it for that no but um because i just know espn plus we've had some issues yeah it's just not as extensive of use for me to like really say like one's better than the other i've only used fight pass maybe like a handful of times right uh, in some boxing news, Ryan Garcia won his fight Saturday night over Oscar Duarte in the eighth round with a KO. Uh, really weird fight for Ryan Garcia. Spent a lot of time kind of on his bike circling and did some weird like shoulder roll where he was exposing his back. Obviously, he got knocked out to the body by Tank uh, Davis. So I, it was, I wasn't sure if maybe that's him protecting his body. But he also had a um, Bernard Hopkins and uh, Oscar De La Hoya. They had some kind of choice things to say, and Ryan Garcia had some choice things to say where he basically feels like they're trying to get him beat basically on their platform. So we'll see how that turns out next for him. And Bare Knuckle FC, some former UFC fighters in action. Jeremy Stevens defeated Jimmy Rivera by Dr. Stoppage and Mike Perry defeating Eddie Alvarez via TKO corner stoppage in the second after Alvarez told his corner that he can no longer see out of his eye. Uh, Perry wins the... BKFC King of Violence Championship and afterwards calls out Anthony Pettis and Darren Till. Which, like, the perfect belt for Mike Perry. Like, yeah, of (laughs) course, if there's a King of Violence champion, it needs to be on Mike Perry's waist. Uh, I, yeah, that guy has just found a home, man. I mean, he's found his thing. I love to see it. Um, I I mean, he's going to be tough to beat. He's going to be good at it, too. That's the thing. And yeah, it's not like he's just out here, like, exactly doing it against bums either. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I saw you really called out Conor McGregor, but obviously, yeah. like that's not going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. I, the Darren Till one to me, like that seems the most logical thing. Like I don't mm-hmm. know how. It'd be super interesting if Jake Paul would be willing to do that. There's no way. I know. There's but, no way Jake okay. Paul. Anybody who has like other options is going to not. Like, why would you do uh, bare knuckle against Mike Perry? Like brutal. in the first round, <laughs> Eddie Alvarez was taking angles, landing good shots. Yeah, and then eventually Mike Perry just like all right, like headbutts his fist and just starts going forward. There was a fight earlier on the card that got stopped 
in like a couple minutes because the guy got hit and had like a mouse so big on his mm-hmm. like it was gonna bust. That's what the doctor's like. We have to stop. It's gonna bust. Yeah. I mean, dude, that 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 sport is violent. And you know, for Jeremy Stevens too, you know, that's a big win for him to kind of build his name up in there. He got a, a good cut on Jimmy Rivera's eye, which yeah. Jimmy Rivera not necessarily known for his striking as much, but I think these guys are starting to find you know a good option if sure. you don't think the MMA is really where you can get your money. Um, and then the last news in some jujitsu news, Goran Ryan was scheduled to go against Lucas Barbosa at WNO 21. And then two weeks later was supposed to face Mason Fowler at UFC fight past invitational five, but has pulled out of both matches. He said on his social media that he badly popped a rib. And after trying to train on it, him and his team decided it's best to pull out and get back to com- uh, competing next year. WNO will be placing, replacing Gordon with teammate, uh, John Carlo Bodini. Badoni. Badoni. Uh, and replacing Gordon on the UFC Fight Pass Invitational will be our boy, Hassam Rida. Yeah, he's taking on... Uh, Mason Fowler. Mason Fowler, yeah. Yep, he'll take the main event spot. Um, mm. How about uh, Mika Galval versus Nikki Ryan? Did you see the call out? No, they're they're going to... For the, the who's number one... Yeah, Mika called him out. Well, they the did like of, a face-off. Like yeah, they're gonna yeah do that's going to do it. That's going to be... That's going to be a fantastic match. Oh, man. I, really I don't even know. Like Mika Could runs he, through him, honestly. I think Mika runs through him. I think so. I don't we'll know, see. man, because I feel here's what I think. I feel like there's a good chance Nikki could I don't know, because Mika's wrestling's look good too. I was gonna say, I think there's a chance Nikki might be able to like kind of out wrestle him. No. And if he can out wrestle him, I feel like it I don't know. I don't think so. I think I don't think, especially with the wrestling, I don't think I don't think Nikki's gonna want to wrestle much. I think you see Nikki pull guard, honestly. Really? Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, he pulled guard a lot in the trials as well. Didn't he just come out with, like, a whole wrestle-up instructional or something, maybe? I don't He's know. got good wrestling, but I think against a guy like Mika, you probably don't want to wrestle. <laughs> Not him. Yeah. I don't know what you do against Mika. Maybe, like, come in with, like, bare knuckles or something. <laughs> or uh, brass knuckles, I mean. like BK Rotolo. Oil up. Yeah, BK Rotolo. That's another option for sure. Uh, John, song of the week. What do you got? Uh, I was at a gas station. Some guy came up to me. He was like, hey, man. I, I need a song on there. Told me Green Day Brain Stew, and I was like, hey, we can roll with that. Fair enough. Brain just got really excited over that. <laughs> More excited than the T.I. one. Was that last week or the week before? That was your call. Yeah. No, but after I heard that, it's just better. You're a big Green Day guy. Uh, I do have a question for Brandon, but I feel like it might be his one for the people. So, Brandon, what's your one for the people? It's the chess thing. Okay, that's yeah, what I wanted to know. Yeah. <laughs> I've been dying to know. So, okay. So, when, so I had three games. I scored two points out of three. What that means is, for me, I had one win, and then I had two draws. So I didn't lose any. Um, my two draws, one was against an 11-year-old, and the other one was against a uh, like 20-year-old college student, and then my win was against some other 20-year-old. Um, and then I played a game afterwards against because there was an early morning tournament and there was an afternoon tournament. And before I was leaving, I played a, a, just a normal game with a guy. I think a 17 year old kid he's like you want to play a rapid game i'm like sure so we start playing and um i start i start playing a specific opening and, and he's like hey man like i need to learn something against that i'm like oh, i'll give you some pointers later this dude runs me over in about three minutes <laughs> and then afterwards he's like man i should probably tell you something i'm like what's that and he's like i'm the montana state champion I uh, just wanted want this year. Just rolled up to Lafayette, Indiana. You know, he's, he said he like his family is a military family anyway, and he moved here. And uh, yeah, he so he's really good. You look him up on chess.com, his rating's like 2,300, mm. which means he's almost a grandmaster. Like he, and he's 17, what? like really good. But yeah, so it was cool. It was a cool experience. I had a lot of fun. Definitely doing more. It's a lot cheaper than jiu-jitsu tournaments. It was $20 <laughs> to enter. <laughs> what would you have got if you won? 
a little metal. I wanted to win so bad too because I would be wearing it right now yeah. if I won it everywhere okay. in the shower. I'll get another one. How many hours were you there? Uh, about an hour and a half. Oh, that's not bad. No, not bad at all. For four games? Three games. Well, could have I could have been there for a total of three if all three games went to full time, but they didn't. Huh. Injured. Well, even, but like, I mean, like, including your little rapid game. So did yep. you leave and come back for that, or does that, was nope. that all nope. within the same frame? All nice. in so what's your ranking now? Are you like, I don't know yet. It's not processed yet. You can know this guy days. on Monday. He's going to wake up at 5 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> oh, click, 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 like eyes like barely open. I did, I did send you in the group. There's a, some local guys that are trying to put together a chess tournament who've never yeah. played chess. So if you want some free money, I'll sign you up. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, though. I love it. John, what is your one for the people? Uh, my one for the people's actually went to a like a pop-up uh, arts and crafts type of thing. Yeah. And uh, got some, some good comic books and uh, graphic novel books to add to the collection, including House of M and Wolverine Battles the Incredible Hulk, the original matchup. You had to write that down? No, I just have the picture of it. I had to remember the title. Oh, okay. <laughs> I saw you reading and I was like, did one. No, I got it. five of, or I got four, and the guy gave me one for free, a blade one for free, so I had to remember which one was which. Nice. How many hours were you there? Not for very long. Probably about f 45 minutes to about an hour. Um, my fiance's mom and aunt were doing a table making, like, the tumblers and cups and stuff. So we went there to see them, but then the, the guy who um, is they always- They were not at, making food? No. The guy who's always at the card shows that uh, Leonard Pig that does the comics, oh, yeah. he had a table there and I got Put that. Put people's governments out there, John. Well, it's his, it's his Instagram name and stuff too, so. People might not like that. Well, help us sell. If fair you need comic books in your Kokomo, holla uh, at them. Fair enough. Uh, my one for the people actually is for John. There is 178.90, well, we'll just, we'll just say, we'll, we'll round it up. 179 miles between the borders of Armenia and Dagestan. So I would say that's in the area. Yeah. That's a that's a Midwest so. drive for sure. <laughs> uh, I think it had it. I think it's a three hour and fifteen minute drive. I had that pulled up too. Yeah, dude, that's that's going down to like uh, St. Louis or something, man. So, I guess that classifies uh, from the area. Sure, I'll give I'll give you that. One. I seen the thing online where somebody was from in London was talking about how to get from one side to the other. It was like a two hour car drive, but they were in America, oh, dude, and they were like, a "Dude, we'll we'll drive that tomorrow and come back home." Europe is so crazy, especially with that uh, that one highway that like runs through almost every country. Mm -hmm. uh, is it called the the M eighty? I don't remember. But there's like no speed. You can drive yeah. like ninety. Like so, my aunt and uncle used to live in Germany for a while, and they they that's what they were like. Oh yeah, we're going to. Um, uh, Denmark this mm -hmm. weekend or Spain or what like you can just drive all across Europe yeah. but like transportation in our country like when you start looking is so bad mm -hmm. especially public transportation like over there in like Europe UK stuff like that like trains like you can get a train like uh, that takes you all over that country I mean the island I guess mm -hmm. but like here it's like if you wanted to get you know from here to say Chicago I mean there is a train but right. it's not like you know what I mean it's not like really like affordable it's really expensive yeah. like it's crazy and then they have that like Airbus thing over there mm. in Europe where like it's super dumb cheap flights like it's right. it's not the you know not like Delta like you're not great service but like it, travel you over there is it. crazy yeah. and like here it's well, yeah. what the person was saying, they were on England, so they said, like, you know, to travel the island, they're not willing to drive two hours, but, like, in yeah. the Midwest, you'll drive two hours yeah, just to go eat or go shopping and then come back. Yeah, like, well, like, being a soccer fan, they'll be like, oh, you know, they're 
me and you's traveling three hours north to play Newcastle and the travel like because their yesterday their flight got canceled so mm. they had to drive up and everybody because they lost and everybody's like oh that drive had I'm like what <laughs> like <laughs> California New York fight like, like yeah, playing each like, other going opposite what? way yeah no it's it's insane man it really it really is insane so but yeah I just thought we would clear the air on that so I I will give you that that classifies from the air not gonna excuse the fact that you thought he was Dagestani and he's Armenian <laughs> Armenian but uh, that's neither here nor there still close fair enough come back <laughs> next Saturday we will recap UFC fight night uh, main evented by Song Dong and Chris Gutierrez as mentioned and then get you guys set up with the final final pay-per-view of 2023 UFC 296 which is going to be main evented by Leon Rocky Edwards and Colby Chaos Covington I cannot wait I can't wait to hear what you guys are picking on that either so come back next week we'll do all that and more until then see you guys peace peace